Welcome to the Renewing the Center podcast. My name is Chris McDaniel, and we want to thank you for joining us today. Here at Renewing the Center, we're answering God's call to work for the spiritual renewal of the church. For more information, visit renewingthecenter.org. We're glad to have you with us today. Now, let's make some space for God's renewing work. Today on the podcast, we are going to look at Mark 5, 21 through 43. If you're following along sequentially with our podcast, I'm actually going to read the same passage that we read in our last episode, and we're doing something on the podcast that is not typical for us. We're actually going to look at the same text through two different perspective lenses. Uh, On Wednesday, the publishing date of our last episode, we looked at this text from Jairus' perspective. Now we're going to see the same events, the same verses, through the lens of the woman with the issue of blood. So I'm going to read a long passage. We're going to pray, and then we're just going to see what we can see, what the Lord would have for us. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the lake. And then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. A large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, for she had said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately, her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone out from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. He said to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they had come to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put all of them outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in to where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this, told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, we thank you for the Bible. And Lord, in this instance, we thank you for the opportunity to see this same text through two different perspectival lenses. God, help us today to sit with the unnamed woman who suffered from the issue of blood. We pray, God, for you to give us grace to hear you, Jesus, through her ears. Uh, Lord, where we were given the perspective of Jairus, now we ask God for her perspective in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you follow along sequentially, our last episode, we sat with a rich, prominent religious leader named Jairus who had a daughter who was sick. We just read about her in the passage. 
Now we're going to look at this story from the perspective of this unnamed female. So to her, she knows nothing about Jairus. She is not privy to that conversation. She doesn't have a sense that Jesus is headed somewhere with Jairus to go heal someone. She probably, like the rest of them, just sees a massive crowd, including her, with some very important people in the crowd, and this unnamed female gets in the mix. She sees that Jesus looks busy. He looks resolute. It looks like he's headed somewhere. He's not just hanging out. Um, There's every indication here that Jesus might not have time for her, especially a female in first century Israel. Women were not empowered. Women were not um, typically uh, esteemed in crowds such as this. This woman uh, does not even have a name in this story, which all speaks to the insignificance of her social standing. She also was suffering. So she was, she was not an upper echelon type of person. And she sees Jesus walking with important people, going somewhere with people pressed all around him. What we know in this story is that she is embarrassed by her neediness. She presses into the crowd and yet desires to remain anonymous. She probably felt it was better that way. She was hoping that her bleeding would stop. She tried everything. She's broke. She's injured. She's worse off than she was before she tried to fix it on her own. Have you ever tried to solve or resolve or fix a problem that just could not be fixed? Well, this woman is beyond desperate. She's at the end of the line. In this respect, the man and the woman are in exactly precisely the same place. Both of them are at the end of the line. He's wealthy, but his daughter's dying. She's broke and needy and powerless. They're the same at the end of the day. What's drawing them to Jesus is the same thing. They're both aware of their need. And the question that I think all of us need to sit with is, are we willing to come in touch with our need? Are we aware of what we really need? But because of this woman's low estate, because of the sense of shame that she carries, she does not seek a formal audience, not in the way Jairus did. Jairus went through the proper channels. He understood how it works. He was a man of privilege, so he just went and asked Jesus. She, she doesn't think she can do that. So this is what she says. If I can just touch the edge of his clothing, I think I'll be healed. So she does. She presses into the crowd, hoping to remain anonymous, doesn't want to draw attention to herself. And she touches Jesus' clothes and power goes out from Jesus and makes her well. One gospel translation says these words, virtue flowed from Jesus and he noticed it. So she's healed. Twelve years of medical abuse, 12 years of money spent to no end, futility, pain, shame, it's gone. She knows something's happened in her body. She's experienced the power of God. And there have been times in my life where I too have experienced the power of God in my body, seen the Lord move in ways that were supernatural in me to work healing in my body. I've seen it in other people as I've prayed for them. So I know what this feels like, what she was experiencing. She experienced something that could not be explained away, and she knew something had happened. But she's not the only one who knows. Jesus knows. He stops. He asks the question, the question she was terrified to hear asked. She says, who touched me? <laughs> the disciples maybe feel make her feel like she's going to get off the hook. They say, everybody's touching you, Jesus. Like there's a crowd. She probably thinks, oh, thank God. The disciples are saying there's a crowd, so maybe I'm going to get away with it. But Jesus will not let it go. He goes from resolute 
with an important person moving from point A to point B to stopping and asking the question, who touched me? He won't stop. And imagine this from her perspective. Everything in this unnamed woman, every part of her desire was to stay anonymous, was to get what she needed from God, but not be called out, not have to step up and stand in front of people. But aware that she could no longer hide, she nervously steps forward. She makes a decision to come out of hiding. She makes a decision to be known and seen. And I love the language that Mark puts to this story. He says she told him the whole truth, the whole story, the whole truth. This would have taken some time. She chooses to be vulnerable before a man that she does not know, but who she knows has power to do good to her and for her. And for many of us, we live in our own anonymous spaces. We live in our own spaces where we don't want to be known. We don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to stand out and have our need called out. And I believe that every one of us, as we come close to Jesus, is invited to move out of the shadows of anonymity, the shadows of hiding, into a vulnerable place of being seen and known by God and occasionally by other people. This woman chooses to step out of the crowds, out of the shadows, and to make herself known. So she tells the whole sad story. She names her uncleanness. She opens herself up and says, I'm, I'm a disqualified, wounded, broke person. Once you feel that you can trust Jesus, it's really important for you to open up those parts of yourself that you would prefer to keep hidden. That's exactly precisely what she does. She chooses to stop hiding. And I love the fact that Jesus refers to her and calls her daughter. Everything we know about this woman places her in a marginalized space. She's unnamed. She's sick. Bleeding illnesses and Jews do not mix well. She would have been ceremonially unclean. She's alone, and Jesus heals her. His instinct is to heal. She touches him. He heals but he doesn't just say, you. He says, you are my child. He makes her well. He doesn't just take away pain. He doesn't just solve a negative circumstance. He heals her. He makes her well. He calls her a daughter. And maybe you need to hear this. Maybe you, like this unnamed woman, feel anonymous, hidden by your own pain. Maybe you're struggling with a hurt or a sin pattern that is isolating and marginalizing and humiliating. You need to know that when Jesus sees you, he sees you and calls you daughter, he calls you son, and he wants to restore you. And despite Jesus' help, this woman was undoubtedly tempted to shrink back into the shadows. She could have believed once again that she was a distraction to Jesus, that she wasn't important, that he needed to go with that, that fancy man, that religious man, that named man. But she steps out and lets Jesus meet her. And he looks at her, the text says, and he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Two stories, one text, two very different people a named man, an unnamed woman, but y'all, one Jesus. He wants to meet us in our need and walk us toward him, toward trust. 
Father, I pray for my friends and I ask for your grace, your mercy. I pray that you would meet us right where we are and that you would help us today to trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you felt moved or inspired by something in this podcast, an idea, an image, or an impression, carry it with you into your day as a prayer, coming back to it again and again in the spaces throughout your day. Be curious about what God wants to show you. What in your life needs to hear this word of encouragement, inspiration, or course correction? And be courageous in your response. The Holy Spirit will give you the grace to carry out whatever He places on your heart. And thank you for being with us today. We look forward to having you with us again next time here at Renewing the Center. Mm-hmm.